So today on the show, we've got a repeat guest. We've got John Linderman from Property Power Partners. How are you, John? Hi, Damien. I'm great. Thank you. If you could just rehash to anybody who's new to the show who might not have heard you before, um, could you just sort of give them a brief introduction of who you are and what you do within the property industry? Yes, uh, fine, Damien. I'm a property market analyst. I've been involved professionally in that sphere for well over 15 years. Um, I was five years at the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Uh, I was then head of research at Residex. And then I set up my own company 10 years ago, which um, analyzes the property market. And th the whole aim of that is to look at ways we can predict what's likely to happen and whether prices and rents are likely to go up or down. And we, in doing that, developed a database which looks at all the indicators in the market and that's uh, about 90% accurate in terms of predicting which way and by how much prices of rents are likely to move. So, yeah, it's been a great time for us, a very exciting time, and it's great to to help lots of people, you know, whether they're investors or, or homeowners in their property investing and, and buying journey. Okay. And and something we wanted to t I wanted to talk to you about was given the, the, the economic climate and just from where I'm at with, with the business, with mortgage broking, we've been flat chat, very busy all through COVID, especially with a lot of the lenders, big four, as well as the non-large lenders trying to get more, um, more of a market share within the industry and trying to get more people to want to refinance to them or just get a home loan through their lending uh, products. Just have you seen an uptick in how busy you've been compared to before COVID or has it not been much of a change? It has been a change, Damien, and it's been quite interesting because although, um, you know, a lot of the interest and, and activity in the property market is really from home buyers, that is people, you know, are not in buying as investors, we've had a lot of interest from people who have decided it's actually better to enter the market as an investor. So they, you know, they might be living at home or, or somewhere renting and they want to buy their first property as an investment property. So we've seen a lot of people um, saying, look, we really want to get into this market, but we want to do it uh, more cleverly by being an investor rather than just a, a home buyer. Okay. And <clears throat> pardon me, are you seeing something that's interested me over the last couple of weeks too is are you seeing a, uh, an uptick in how the how educated some of the people you're coming across are before when they're first starting to use your services because as a broker we're finding that people have got a bit more uh knowledge base to begin with when they come to us rather than maybe a few years ago some people didn't even know where to start or weren't even aware what banking products their bank they're with now had to offer them for for home loans are you seeing there's an uptick in the education level yeah, I think it it definitely has occurred, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing because when I first started, which is a long time ago, uh, bought my first property in Melbourne, there was there was absolutely no information out. And, and if you're an investor, you know you were even worse off because you were at the mercy of all the the wolves in sheep's clothing who were trying to sell you properties that uh, they would make a, a profit on. But now there's so much information, and it's so much easier to check the bona fides of anyone who purports to be a property market expert. You know, I always say, go to Google, put in the person's name, whoever it is that, uh, you know, has been sort of in touch with you, 
and see what their track record is. It's so easy to do, and there's so many blogs and podcasts and information out there. So that, that would be my only warning, Damien, is, is to people, make sure you check who you're getting the information from. Make sure that they're a trusted advisor with a good track record. Okay. Um, the thing I wanted to talk to you about mainly today, John, was an article that you uh, came out with. So it's on your property partner's website, but it was also uh, on your investment property mag, which is another fairly popular um, within the industry website. It was the article called The Property Market Stripped Bear. What I wanted to ask about it was it made the rounds and um, I wanted you to explain what the article sort of outlined and whether you felt some of the predictions you made within that article, um, whether you, you were beginning to see that sort of thing materialise since a month ago when that article came out. Well, yes, I'd love to. And, and in, in regard to that, I actually wrote in, in March 2020 when the pandemic was uh, hitting our shores so I, and everybody was was sort of predicting doom and gloom and that property prices would crash and I wrote in, in your investment property magazine at that time uh, about the pandemic and I said it's a social crisis, it's not an economic one and housing prices won't crash, in fact they'll go up and that's exactly what happened and it's for that precise reason. So if I can explain what I meant by that, um, what a social crisis like this has done, two things. And the first thing is that it meant that people had to socially distance, there were lockdowns, and a lot of younger people couldn't spend money in the way that they were used to. So they were staying home and not spending money on going on holidays or going to restaurants or whatever. So that meant that suddenly a lot of people were saving more money. And there are two things you need when you go to a bank to, to buy a property. One is a deposit and the other is you've got to be able to afford the repayments. So suddenly there were a lot more people out there who had a deposit they needed and they could go to the bank and the bank would say, yes, you've got enough money. And so the number of first rising dramatically. But there was a second aspect to this as well and that was that in order to, to sort of prop up the, the, you know, the economy generally and to give people more confidence, the Reserve Bank said, we're not going to increase interest rates for three years. And in fact, they went down. So the banks, having that assurance from the Reserve Bank that interest rates wouldn't go up, meant they could reduce their floor rates. Now, what is the floor rate? It's the rate at which your loan is assessed for repayment uh, capability. So what they do is they add on a buffer of 2 or 3% when they assess your capacity to repay a loan. And... That meant, of course, that when they reduced that buffer, and it was by about 2%, that not only were there more buyers in the market, but also that they could borrow more money. And in that uh, blog you've mentioned, I actually calculated what that would mean in terms of increased buying power, and it's about 25%. So that means suddenly you've got a figure that you can say, well, that means that housing prices generally have got the potential of going up 25%. And they're well on the way to doing that. So that was my prediction. Um, and I believe that'll be fulfilled this year. Mm. Before we talk more about the article, I, um, I've i never thought of COVID as being a social crisis. But now that you say it out loud, that makes a lot more sense. I think like I, I talk to a lot of my friends who have been around during some of the lockdowns in Melbourne now that I'm back down here. And a lot of them have felt like they they struggle now to get back into socialising with the 
because they weren't able to socialize. They almost feel like they've lo- they've forgotten how to do it. Uh, how to do that. It's interesting that you bring that up. I've never thought of it that way. It's exactly what it was. And I had to look back when I wrote that that first blog, and you can see that in your investment property uh, in March 2020. I, tr- I looked at what all the economists were doing, and they were going back to the GFC and the Great Depression, which were all you know economic financial crises, to try and figure out what might happen. But I went back to the Spanish flu crisis, which occurred after the First World War, and I looked at what happened then, and we had an almost identical situation with mask wearing and lockdowns and uh, border closures. But once that ended, once people were able to move around again, the economy boomed, and of course the property market took off, and that's exactly what's happening this time. Um, part of the part of the article, if you're happy to go into it, so we we covered that. Yeah, there's you've done a great little graph about. Um, how the borrowing capacity for each person has changed and gone up since COVID because of that comparison rate the bank will use to, to sort of see how much their interest rate can go up for you to still be able to service and repay the, the loan. Um, I wondered, that part of the article talks about the three growth governors that might affect the price growth that we're seeing right now. Would you be okay to go through that as well, John? Of, of course, Damien. And it, it is that there's always a limit to any sort of property market boom and that is limited by the number of buyers and, and the amount they can borrow. So I had to look to see, well, what's likely to happen next in this property market uh, boom that we've got? And, of course, the first thing is that the number of home buyers actually entering the market will start to fall because there's only so many people that have got that deposit and go to a bank and say, we'd like to uh, buy a home. And once that number has pretty much been exhausted, then we're going to find that there's no very few more. And the reason for that is that we're not taking in more people from overseas. So there's a finite limit to the number of new homeowners that uh, Australia will have for a number of years. And that means, of course, that uh, that demand will fall off as well. But the second thing is that these loan size limits that are set by the bank and their lower buffer rates, that'll be reached as well. So, you you know, you might get a certain amount of money and that's what the bank says, that's the most we're going to lend you until something else changes. Um, And of course, it's not likely that interest rates will drop anymore. So that means that uh, people can only borrow so much. And the third thing is that current homeowners who have bought their properties a few years ago We'll look at all this and they'll be motivated to cash in. They'll say, hey, let's let's sell our property and upgrade to a, a better home, um, you know, somewhere else. So that's the next thing that's happening. And what that means is that you suddenly find more properties coming onto the market. And, of course, the more properties there are, the more supply there is, then the less there is uh, pressure on prices to go up. And we're all seeing evidence of this. So in our database, we track all of the leading indicators for every suburb in Australia. And when I looked at the areas like the outer Sydney Rim, which is around Penrith, the lower Blue Mountains, Campbelltown, you know, the sort of outer suburban areas of Sydney, I've discovered that the number of properties listed for sale is starting to go up. And that means that more people are trying to sell. So it's also telling me that that um, sort of top of the market or the peak of the market is close to being reached in those first home buyer locations. But of course, it's still going to continue in other areas where existing homeowners will still decide to upgrade. And so eventually this growth is moving throughout the entire market. Um, 
but eventually it'll slow down for the same reasons. Okay. And and that first uh, growth governor you spoke about, which the number of home buyers entering the market will start to fall. Some of the um the the news I've read over the last week or so, some of the banks have had their property sentiment surveys and reports through their customer base. And the the property sentiment for sorry, the positive sentiment for the housing market has been at the lowest level since the beginning of COVID, according to ME Bank and another a few of the other smaller lenders. So it looks like I guess from their surveys too, which again they're from a smaller pool of uh, of uh, individuals, but it seems like that's sort of coming along the lines of what you're talking about with that growth growth governor, where uh, those those people are maybe a, a bit more hesitant to get into the market because of how big the prices are, how crazy some of these houses are selling for because of the the competition, because of the lack of supply. Yes, and I think there's also a fear that all this could come down in disaster, you know, that uh, property prices could crash because they've just gone up too much. Now, I can reassure you all um, that this won't happen because, and the main reason that won't happen is because these are people buying homes to live in and there's no greater security in the property market than having a lot of people living in properties that they're paying off because they won't want to move, they'll stay there. Even if interest rates do go up in a few years' time, um, you know, they'll want to stay because that's their home. So that's what gives the property market its great security and why these sorts of booms, which are sort of owner-occupier-led, uh, tend to slow down and, you know, then eventually stop, but they don't result in a crash. Okay. Beautiful. Jo um, pardon me. John, was there anything you wanted to add or cover before we got out of here for the episode? Uh, maybe just to talk a little bit about the federal budget, I think, and uh, its impact on, on property investors. Uh, would you like me to do that, Damien? Yeah, go for it. If so, I, I might have a few questions for you regarding the budget too. Okay. I'm not an economist, but I'll do my best. Um, well, the first thing is there were no changes to negative gearing or capital gains tax, which is good news. Um, and there's been a number of these uh, increased or new incentives for first-home buyers, you know, the family home guarantee, the new home guarantee, the first home loan deposit scheme, the first home super saver scheme. Uh, but I had a look at the actual numbers and thought, well, how many people is this actually going to help? So the, the capacity, when you add all this up in one year, it's 22,000 possible more first home buyers or home buyers in the next year. So that's not really a huge amount when you consider that even without overseas migration, we're generating around 88,000 new households each year. So that means it's uh, about a quarter of them will get some form of assistance. But the bigger problem is that all of these are demand-side incentives. They create more buyers, and especially first-time buyers, and that means that they put more pressure on prices. So even within that overall um, you know, article I talked about or wrote about, about the percentage growth of the market, this is also likely to add to that in, so, in some way. One part of the budget that I was interested in getting your take on, John, um, was speaking about, I don't have the name of it off the top of my head. Give me one sec. Sorry, this is very unprofessional. Here we go. Um, it was speaking about the, the funding the government wants to put in place for social housing and more, more housing across the country. Do you think that the government could be doing, and again, you, this is just an opinion of yours. I'm not trying to put you on blast here for us to abuse the government because I think they're doing the best they can with what they have in front of them. But 
do you think the government could be doing more? Because I've over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed a few housing under supply, uh, housing supply shortages, especially in the Tweed area up towards Brisbane. The council there declared that they people have to leave at the moment because there's not enough rentals, and the rentals that are there have had such big price hikes that they're outpricing a lot of the tenants. I wonder, do you think that's going to happen more as the year goes on, and we're going to have more of a supply uh, supply crisis? Well, generally, I think, um, yes, it will, because we're still getting new households, uh, you know, being formed in Australia as young people leave home. So the, the demand for housing is still going up, and that's without any migrants or returning expats included. Um, mm. But the problem is we're not building enough new properties, and that that is really the issue, is that governments tend to, when they produce these incentives, even back in 2000, you know, the first home owner guarantee, and then the um, the grant was trebled in 2008, and then we've had stamp duty cuts and so on. All of these things are demand-side incentives. They, they just create more demand. And government really needs to look at, and this is both state and federal, about doing more on the supply side. And the problem there is, of course, that property is so expensive to develop in our capital cities in a major regional cities such as Newcastle and Geelong, um, that it's simply not affordable for them to do that. And they throw millions at it and you'd only end up building a few properties. So I guess the, the, you know, the bigger question is how on earth can we regionalise? We, we've got to stop moving into these big, huge cities. We're the most urbanised urbanized, um, country in the world and yet we've got huge suitable locations around Australia. So I think this is... The only answer is to encourage regionalisation and to um, you know, encourage people and motivate them to move out of the big cities into regional areas and that will start to solve this problem. Because, yeah, I, I agree with you there that Sydney's gotten so – Sydney, don't want to throw shade on Sydney, John, but Sydney's so busy and I think if some of the, the businesses were maybe encouraged to move to other areas, regional locations, that might also spur on a bit more of uh, – I guess instead of just expanding Sydney out where the inner west is now the inner city because it just keeps going outwards, uh, maybe if they moved somewhere else, there'd be a little more, uh, the supply would be sort of helped along the way and more houses would be built, I guess. Because the budget, with how the budget is now, I think the, the schemes they've introduced, the different home guarantees, the new home guarantee, the first home super saver, it's a great idea and a great incentive to get more people into the market. But I feel like that may just make housing prices go up more because more people are entering the market with the help. That's right. And, and it, I mean, I live in the inner west in Sydney and I can see perfectly, you know, fantastic three, four bedroom homes being knocked down so that uh, two urban infill type townhouses can be built on the same block. And I think when you get to a point where you're knocking down perfectly good houses to put more supply in purely because of the demand, something's going wrong. And we've got to start looking at, well, why don't we just build properties in areas where, you know, there's, there's room for people to live? Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Well, John, is, was there anything you wanted to cover apart from that before we got out of here? Uh, well, I'd only just to say, if you, if you like um, my take on the property market and you'd like to read my blogs, uh, please go to my website, lindemanreports.com.au, 
and uh, there's lots of uh, good information there. And we also offer a free consultation to people who haven't had one before. So if you'd like to talk to me personally about the property market, about whether you should become a buyer or an investor or what's actually going to happen to the market and how it might affect you personally, I'm there to uh, give you a free consultation. So just go to lindemanreports.com.au. Okay, beautiful. Thank you again for the time, John. I really appreciate it. We'll have to do another one soon. Thanks, Damien, and uh, thanks, everyone.